Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Bite Show podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Lawman Lamont, and I am joined by the indomitable Dale Jones. How's it going, Dale? I'm good, thank you. Dale and I are running the two-man news show tonight. This is our Top of the Week podcast, where we're going to bring to you the current events of this week in video games. We're also going to illuminate you on the new releases. They're hitting uh, over an indeterminate seven-day period, kind of straddling the weekend, sort of half to four. It's like like Wednesday to Wednesday, isn't it? It it is kind of. You know, we've never really reconciled that either. It's just kind of how we do it. In fact, a bunch of VR stuff shows up again this week, but we're going to skip that stuff because we talked about it on the last show. (laughs) Uh, And we're also going to discuss a uh, special video game topic that uh, we hope to beam from our brains directly into your earballs in the coming minutes. Uh, in a succinct little game bite that will surely take 30 minutes or less, even, believe it or not. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit before uh, we started the podcast about fantasy novels, and uh, actually just writing in general, and I kind of revealed that I've never read a Stephen King book, and uh, yeah. Dale, you have an interesting opinion about Stephen King. Yeah, I, I regret most of the time I read Stephen King books. <laughs> Jeez. Um, Which, just speaking as somebody who has never read Stephen King, that doesn't seem to be standard narrative about Stephen King. Usually people are like, oh yeah, I've read all of his books. Well, keep in mind that he has written like a hundred books. And I've read read a good portion of those. Not, you know, not 50 or even probably 25. But um, let's say I've probably read 10 or 15 Stephen King books. That's a ton. And... um, it's weird because I can't really single out any maybe particular one that I thought was bad, but a lot of the a lot of the good ones have bad parts. Yeah. Um, yeah, and especially the the Dark Tower series, which is itself it was seven books when it was finished, but then he went back and added another book in the middle somewhere. I haven't read that one. Um, was it seven or eight? It was it was either seven or eight. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. Yeah. Finish this sentence. Mm-hmm. Stephen King is the Louis L'Amour of blank. So wait, Louis L'Amour, he's like a, he, he writes Western books, right? A ton of them. Okay. Super prolific. Like, as far as I know, he's like the most written writer Stephen King ever. is the Louis L'Amour of like 1960s through 1980s Maine, as in like the state, Maine. Oh, yeah, Maine. M A I N E, Maine. Like all of his books take place in Maine, basically. And oh, and they're all horror, basically. They're all they're all kind of centered around horror. Yeah, like you except for the Dark Tower. Though. The Dark Tower is not so much centered around horror. So if you were to ask Stephen King, who do you main, bro? He'd he would, say he would say banger. Banger. I don't get that reference. Banger mains. Come on, Jeremy. I don't know. I'm getting a little uncomfortable with this conversation. So we're going to move it right along to the main event, which for today's podcast is the news of video games. And we're going to open as we do on the Game Bite show with virtual reality. Guess what, Dale? Your favorite topic, virtual reality. Oh, I got some wild questions to do. All right. We're going to... We're going to do this, though. Uh, so we're going to start out by talking about some predictions, um, some professional market predictions about the penetration rate of virtual reality. According to analytics group Strategy Analytics, uh, only 6% of Americans will own a VR headset this year, and of those who own a headset, 93% will be using basic smartphone Hold models. Hold on just a minute. When they say only 6% of Americans, doesn't that equal something like 20 million people? 
that's a lot. I was going to bring that up a little bit later on because they start to actually talk about the numbers of people who have these things. That but, does not seem, A, accurate. And even if it was accurate, B, that seems like a whole heck of a lot of overestimating. <laughs> and, and they're looking at, if, the, if these numbers are correct and they're estimating that 20 million Americans will own a VR headset, first, I think they're out of their minds. Second, I think that would be a huge success. VR is going to be big, Dale Jones. That will be a triumph. Just you wait. In fact, just you wait for the end of this article, because watch this. Penetration in the U.S. is higher than in other countries, partly due to the greater number of headset giveaways to promote the technology, said a uh, one David McQueen, who is an analyst for Strategy Analytics. He said that Samsung is giving away lots of gears with new handsets, Google has given away a lot too, and even the New York Times gave $1.5 million to their subscribers to uh, try out a series of VR documentaries. Uh, we're talking here about things like Google Cardboard and Samsung Gear, which will account for the vast majority, like I said, 93% of VR units owned. Uh, and uh, VR units which attach to game consoles, such as the PlayStation VR, will account for 6%. Just 1% of those sales will go to Oculus Rift and HTC Vive headsets. Uh, and uh, McQueen says that it will be a lot like the car market. Most people are going to be owning things like Fords and Toyotas. A handful will have Porsches, and a few will splash out on a Ferrari. Uh, but listen to this. By the end of next year, 16% of U.S. adults are estimated to own a VR headset, rising to over 1 in 4 by 2018. Uh, by 2020, 4 in 10 U.S. adults will own some form of VR headset, according to this group. He says it will take about 18 months for VR headsets to reach the level of household penetration that, say, Netflix has now, but that penetration will still totally be dominated by the cheaper smartphone headsets. So are they just saying that, like... You know, because, you know, I find it's it's reasonable to expect that within a couple of years, pretty much every contemporary cell phone on the market will be able to do some sort of VR. Are they just go ahead and counting those and saying that because you own something that can do VR, you therefore have a VR headset? It is interesting that you bring that up because David McQueen is an analyst for the global wireless practice, uh, th that segment of strategy analytics. So... Uh, that is an interesting uh, question, although um, they seem to be specifically talking about the VR headsets themselves. So I, I don't think they're talking about... So they're you know, talking about the thing that you phone. stick your phone in. Correct, like a shell or something that you put on your face. Yeah, I, guess, I sort of the... really have a hard time believing that any of the any of these estimations. Oh, Dale Jones, getting salty about the hard numbers, the facts. I want to see this analyst's VR. credentials. <laughs> Uh, well, how about this? Okay, so if the personal headsets market seems to be confounding us, uh, let's take a look at what Nolan Bushnell has been up to. Nolan Bushnell, of course, famous for co-founding Atari back in the 1970s. He is now back in the games market. He's actually been working in mobile games, but he's now launching a virtual reality company called Modal VR, which is promising a combination of hardware and software that delivers high-end virtual experiences that uh, make your homegrown HTC Vives and Oculus Rifts seem like uh, mere pittance of the VR experience. Uh, it is completely wireless, low latency, and accommodates multiple users in areas as large as 900,000 square feet with full body tracking suits. So of course this is not a home VR offering, but rather the kind of thing that you would do in an arcade, or uh, we actually have a company that's like that here in the state of Utah, which does sort of, they reconfigure, um, I guess, warehouse size areas, and they sort of project VR, kind of AR, VR stuff onto, uh, you know, onto the 
area that's around you and kind of do different things. So it's more of a more of an arcade type type thing. Uh, Modal technology is still in the prototype stage, and uh, so far they've only got a release date for beta developer kits of soon. Um, and, you know, the advantage of something like this, here's something to think about when you're talking about the VR market. Uh, whereas with other products, you might buy one for yourself, but something like this you'd only buy on a per-session basis. You just play, you know, play a few rounds with your friends and, you know, spend a 5 or $10 or whatever uh, amount to play for the evening and kind of like laser tag, which is cool. So there is that uh, element of this as well. Uh, kind of... Um, Reaching back around to the uh, the ha the phone handset type VR, uh, here's something kind of interesting that kind of plays into the recent woes that Samsung has been experiencing. Uh, Oculus, Facebook, is removing Gear VR support for all Samsung Galaxy Note 7 devices. Uh, as you may know, if you've been watching or listening to the news, the Note 7 has developed the nasty habit of setting fire spontaneously to... Uh, itself as well as anything around it, and uh, Facebook is citing safety concerns in this decision. Uh, they say in a statement that if you have bought content in the Oculus Store to use with your Note 7, you'd like it to be refunded. Oculus will honor that. More information about the refund process is forthcoming. Uh, Samsung announced that it was ending entirely the production of the Galaxy Note 7 product line worldwide, uh, and interestingly, the Note 7 would have been considered Samsung's premier flagship phone for the Gear VR setup. Uh, a lot of the references on the Gear VR website and, and things like that actually reference the Gear VR. Uh, it's sort of unclear now what is going to take its place in Samsung's lineup as far as the Gear VR is concerned. Uh, so I don't know, that might put a little bit of a hamper in the, you know, 93% penetration rate. We may see, you know, perhaps uh, now that a number of people have just been broadly rendered ineligible for, for VR, uh, I don't know. Kind of interesting, you know. I didn't really think about that in terms of the, you know, the airlines basically saying that you can't activate one of those phones on the plane, that sort of thing. And I guess uh, VR may be one of the casualties of that situation. So yeah, a little bit of collateral damage. I think I heard somewhere that it was like a million plus phones that they are having to recall and and whatnot. Um, is there any numbers on exactly how many that is? No, probably probably many. Um, in fact, actually, there there probably are, but not in the context of this story, I guess. Um, but yeah, they uh, definitely Samsung is definitely. Ta I, th I think I heard somewhere that they're taking like a twenty five billion dollar write down for for this, uh, <laughs> just for yeah, because I mean it was their major one, one of their major phones, one of their major products that they were releasing, and not only did the phone line itself have the problem to begin with, but then the replacements that they were sending still had that same problem, which is what prompted, yeah. uh, you know, some of the government actions that uh, that happened from that as well. So, uh, you know, but I I think all things considered, uh, if your phone is going to catch fire, probably the last place you want it to do that is while attached to your face. Um, so that's probably a right decision on the part of Facebook. Um, I'd like to switch things over to the uh, PC streaming uh, mode for just a moment here. I want to talk about Steam Link, which is a product that I myself have sort of had my eye on to get my PC Steam games over onto my comfy couch and my big TV. Uh, but it uh, looks like, according to a Steam Dev Days presentation, uh, the company Valve announced that it was going to be integrating the technology directly into new smart TVs. Uh, Valve is partnering with Samsung, again, Samsung is in the news here, uh, to make Steam Link capabilities available straight from their upcoming television. Uh, and this is uh, from tweets by Sergey Galyonkin, who you might know from Steam Spy. 
anybody who is planning on using this technology will still need to provide their own controller, and of course there's the Steam controller, but uh, others will work through USB, and uh, it's not quite clear yet exactly how that's all going to work on new smart TVs. But uh, of course your other alternative is to get a Steam machine and put that under your TV, but uh, actually I think this is pretty cool. You know, things like uh, the uh, PlayStation Now have been available on smart TVs for the last little while, uh, Google Play, I guess that's not quite the same thing, but uh, you know, you, you do have the opportunity to uh, play some, some real games just by streaming that content directly to your television, which is a pretty neat idea. And Does Google Play have games on it? Uh, yeah, it does. It apps, In fact, it? Yeah, okay. it does. It, ha it has apps. So it's not really streaming, but I was just thinking about the controller side of it because um, there actually are games that you can play on your television that you can't do with a remote control. So sometimes it'll say like, oh, you know, you need to have a controller for this or, mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, just the idea that you you can get more gaming content to a thin client that basically is, is your TV. Uh, kind of in associated news, uh, Steam is actually going to be getting native PlayStation 4 controller support. Up until this point, you'd probably have been using a program like joy to key or DS4 Windows, which is actually what I use. Um, but in the Steam Dev Days event, uh, Valve's Jeff Bellinghausen announced that, believe it or not, when you use the PS4 controller through the Stream API, it's exactly the same as, a, as the Steam controller. Uh, you make the exact same API calls, you only get actions and not inputs, and the Steam API takes care of everything. And uh, there's a lot of overlapping functionality with the Steam controller, according to Bellinghausen, which I guess I would say that it seems like it's the other way around. It seems like the Steam controller has a lot of overlapping function with the, the DualShock 4 uh, but uh, anyhow, uh, so Valve plans to support other controllers uh, in the future as well, according to Bellinghausen, which is actually kind of nice, because I would say that one of the biggest... I mean, it's not a big deal, but it is kind of a pain in the butt when I've got, you know, three different types of controllers sitting on my desk, and I've got to try and figure out which ones are going to work with the game that I've got in front of me. Um, so I, I think any broadening of that controller support uh, is, uh, is pretty cool. It's okay by me. I still use a 360 controller. Yeah, I, for some reason, I just, I keep my 360 controllers out under the TV, and so I've got a Steam controller, and an Xbox One controller, and a PS4 controller. I don't know, I don't know why I make it hard on myself. It's just how I do things. Uh, speaking of broadening support, I'd like to direct your attention now to uh, Nigeria and Africa, where, I don't know if you know this, but the African Gaming League has uh, just done its first event in Nigeria. Uh, founder Amaite Umana and his co-founders launched the African Gaming League and held its first tournament across four cities in Nigeria in August. In an interview, Umana said that it is a long-held dream of his to create a game company in Africa that takes advantage of the fact that there are lots of players on the continent, but they've been largely ignored by big game companies. Uh, Umana has uh, actually worked in San Francisco for a time on a previous startup, which is uh, was called Encanica, and another one called Pontaba, which uh, had focused on HTML5 mobile game development. And uh, he's got some co-founders, uh, Chikezi Dozi and Samuel Udama, who uh, helped him create the African Gaming League in Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, you might wonder what, you know, what business does a gaming league have in Nigeria, but uh, about $3,000 a month is the per capita income, uh, and uh, the income actually varies widely among people, and sports betting is actually a really large market in Africa. This is according to GamesBeat. Uh, according to Umana, we saw that there was no structured way to do gaming and esports in Africa, so Sam, one of his co-founders, and I teamed up to make that happen. Uh, there are gamers in Nigeria. This soft launch proved that there are gamers and the potential for a vibrant gaming culture in Nigeria, but 
but the scene is also unstructured. The African Gaming League hopes to unify all the disparate communities and bring a structure that makes it more appealing to foreign investments. Uh, personally, I just like to see any stories of things happening outside of, you know, the big three regions, uh, Japan or North America or... Uh, you know, Europe, I guess. So I like to yeah. see things happening in South America and Africa. and Yeah, it's always interesting to, to, you know, get that little bit of insight into another culture, especially when it's related to something that obviously we have a, a big interest in, you know. Ab absolutely. And, you know, I always, one of, the, one of the things that I feel, because uh, this is sort of related, but uh, I was always looking forward when social media got to be a big thing, you know, 2009, 2010, around then. I was kind of thinking that we'd have a lot more cross-regional discussions with, you know, Nigerians or, or Japanese folks or finding out, you know, exactly what kinds of things they were interested in or what's going on. Um, I think I think we've mostly gone into, you know, the all-meme version of social media, but uh, I don't know. They're out there, though, and I, and I think that's pretty neat, and uh, hopefully we hear more from them in the future. Uh, here's something that we probably didn't expect to hear from in the future, Battleborn. Uh, we reported last week on the addition of the seasonal Dr. Junkenstein's revenge for Overwatch. Well, Battleborn kind of got beat to the punch again, and uh, it, they announced this past week that a new campaign and multiplayer mode are being added. Uh, there is new story content called um, Atticus and the Thrall Rebellion. Atticus is one of the, uh, I think he's one of the uh, Jesserit characters, one of the kind of... Uh, vaguely evil characters in the game, uh, but uh, new story content in that form, and then there's also the multiplayer mode, which we'll talk about in just a moment, uh, both of which are available right now. Um, the uh, digital deluxe version of Battleborn, which was $75, or the season pass would get you availability to the uh, new campaign content, or you can pay $5 for it, so that one is a paid DLC. But the new competitive mode, which is called Face Off, is available to everybody for free. And it's kind of a horde mode. You know, I played a little bit of it, and I might talk about it on the midweek show a little bit, but you have two teams of five players uh, competing to kill uh, kind of a, a, a continually spawning set of computer-controlled enemies, and these are the Varelsi, the sort of uh, trans-dimensional evil beings. Uh, as you kill Varelsi, you have to pick up the masks, and then you bank them uh, in the middle of the map, and uh, whoever gets 500 points first wins, uh, which is kind of nice. I, I sort of like to see this. It's something that I was really pleased in Junkenstein's Castle. I talked about that on this past midweek show. Um, I, I, I really like to see more of the PvE stuff, you know. I, I mean, I understand that the appeal of some of these games is, is the PvP to some extent, but um, I, I feel like kind of the more interesting content is typically, um, you know, kind of more of the you know, players teaming up together versus the AI, which, per personal preference, I guess, that's something that I find to be a little bit more interesting. Uh, something drumming up a little bit of interest on social media, uh, actually, in fact, today, Sunday, is a tweet from Rockstar Games, which basically uh, was essentially just the Rockstar logo on a flat red background, which is very reminiscent of games in the Red Dead series, uh, Red Dead Redemption, uh, for sure. And uh, they basically just tweeted that. There was no context, no text, really, to speak of, other than the uh, Rockstar logo. And everybody's sort of speculating. They don't know whether this is a hint of a sequel, a remaster, a PC port of Red Dead Redemption. Nobody really knows. Uh, although there are some possible, you know, downer possibilities here, which include the fact that Red Dead Revolver, which was the first game in the series uh, on PlayStation 2 and Xbox, uh, just became available to play this past week uh, through the uh, PS2 Classics program. Do you think this is to promote 4. that? I don't know. I, I don't... <laughs> that, that, I mean, that wouldn't it, seem like a very good move. 
No, not really, but I, when it comes to this stuff, I tend to personally believe that the most mediocre of all possible outcomes is probably the one to bet on. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of weird timing for a PC port. The timing kind of seems about right. I mean, think about this. Grand Theft Auto V uh, has been out there for three years, right? So, three? conceivably... I thought it was more yeah. than that. Uh, I think it was 2013 it came out, hmm. so maybe a little over three years, but uh, You're talking it seems about the like PC the timing could the... be right to announce a new Red Dead game, maybe. Okay. I don't know. What do you think? Do you have an opinion on that? Um, I have no idea, really. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I think it's time for another Rockstar game. Um, but well, and the other thing, so, be, so the other... Knows? Yeah, the other options are a remaster, which, uh, you know, the, the Red Dead Redemption, the Xbox 360 game became backward compatible on the Xbox One earlier this summer. So the fact that it exists at all kind of makes it weird. It, you know, why would you make a remaster at all if you can play the original game? Um, it could be the PC version. Um, I mean, again, that sort of that sort of falls kind of within the the bounds of the most mediocre of all. It wouldn't. Possible it wouldn't really. If you take as context the the rest of the entire games industry, I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, reissue Red Dead Redemption with the like zombie add-on thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. As the like night, a, undead nightmare. You know, like a you know, HD collection, or I'm sure they would call it something a little more creative, but that basically. Sure, sure. Yeah, they, uh, you know, the, the complete edition or, yeah, or yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, it could be. Well, uh, I'm sure that we'll find out this coming week. As of today, as of the recording of this podcast, though, all we have is that single tweet with no context, and uh, I'm sure at this time next week we'll probably have a little bit more to say about that. Uh, speaking of undead nightmares, uh, I don't know if this is something that's interested, interesting to you, Dale, but uh, escape rooms, nope. real life. No, well, we're, then we're definitely going to talk about or this. Or Resident Evil. Yeah, no. So, <laughs> so uh, because uh, Resident Evil 7, so Resident Evil VII, you know, kind of that, that stylized uh, reference, uh, Capcom is teaming up with game merchandise company IM8Bit, crack peddlers that they are of video game vinyl soundtracks, uh, teaming up with uh, each other to create a Resident Evil-themed escape room, which they're actually dubbing a an escape experience because it's uh, comprised of multiple rooms. Uh, there are only 300 tickets available to this event in Los Angeles, and uh, the experience will be going from October 20th through November 6th. Tickets are $35. Teams of up to six people are allowed. Uh, you can actually go to IM8Bits page to learn more about that, although at 300 total tickets at $35 a piece, I suspect that if you're listening to this, the event is more than likely already sold out. But they do have an Eventbrite page, so you can go check that out. Uh, I'm sure there will probably be uh, scalpers, and since it's Resident Evil and there's a zombie theme, maybe they'll be using real scalps. I don't know. I, I did what I could with it. I'm sorry. Uh, very last in the news this week, a uh, little bit of a weird one. Um, n over 9,000 fans showed up at the online streamed funeral of Philip Fizerp Klemenov, who is a professional Call of Duty player who was killed, unfortunately, in a car accident uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they've gathered on Twitch to watch his funeral live and to pay their respects. 
Uh, on his own Twitch channel, a camera streamed almost the entire funeral so that friends and fans who were unable to attend or pay their respects uh, could do so through this webcam. Uh, seems kind of weird, and especially, you know, if you've ever seen Twitch chat before, um, a lot of weird stuff can happen in there, and maybe some things that are uh, perhaps a little bit inappropriate, but uh, according to this report over at Kotaku, uh, I believe it was Steven Totillo who uh, had actually attended this, and says that the uh, the chat was basically full of fans remembering uh, the impact that Klemenov had on their lives, and uh, leaving actual heartfelt comments of thanks and respect. Uh, that's all the news that we've got for this week, and uh, Dale, I, I don't know, do you want to take over the, the, since there's only the two of us, um, don't know if you want to do the Yeah, yeah, sure, let's, let's run through the uh, new releases real quick. It's going to be a quick one, because there's not a whole lot. This this week, oddly enough, for a, for a fall week, um, what we do have that's a little bit surprising, though, because I haven't thought about this in quite a while, is Skylanders. So, Imaginators, I guess, is what they're calling the one. This year, this is the 3D printing one. Did, mm-hmm, was it? Was mm-hmm. this on the list last week? Uh, you know, I think we talked about. Uh, maybe it is. Maybe it was because I remember we talked about the 3D printing. Yeah, we talked about in, 3D printing. I, I think it was in the news. Okay. I think it was in the news. Okay, well, but now that's it's out, out for every single platform that was ever created. Uh, for seventy-five bucks, it looks like. Wow, that's okay. Uh, also out this week is Res Infinite. This being. Um, an HD remake of Res HD, I think. Uh, and it includes a sixth area called Area X, which uh, I guess is a little bit different from the others. If you recall, Res is um, sort of like a, what you call it, maybe like a rail shooter? Because it, it kind of auto-progresses sort of... you through the environment and then you um, listen to the music and, and shoot things, basically. Yeah, so kind of like Lawnmower Man and sort of like, yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, it's a lot like that actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> on the on the Wii, are, we're doing Wii U eShop releases now. <laughs> and we are well, mostly because these two are, are kind of interesting because they're original OG. Oh, hey, Kirby um, Canvas Curse. I, I had this um, when I first got my original DS. When I was actually living in Japan, I, one of the games I picked up was was Kirby, and it's over there. It's just called Touch Kirby. Uh, and let me tell you, touching Kirby was a pretty pretty fun time. Um, that was a really good game. Also, Animal Crossing Wild World. I, sorry, I don't know which Animal Crossing this is. Uh, this is the one again on the original DS. So the okay. newest one on the 3DS is New Leaf. So they've actually released Wild World. And wasn't there like the a DS Happy Home game. Designer? Also? Uh, there was, and that was a Wii U native game that would use Amiibo. Cards. Okay, that's a Wii U yeah. game. All right. So, so this is like literally like old school DS. This would work on your original fatty DS. The, you know, I didn't buy a DS game. until it was light. The DS Lite, and man, that was an amazing little system. That's some real good stuff on there. Um, but yeah, now we're stuck with this Wii U junk. Nobody likes that. Uh, 3DS. Uh, 3DS is also a pretty nifty system. Um, on the 3DS, we have Disney Magical World 2. Uh, what Which is this? Is, it's sort of like the Disney version of Animal Crossing. Um, oh, okay. Which actually was fairly well received at the time. I mean, it didn't. It, it was not quite as open ended. It was more mission based, but you'd still have, uh, you know, living amongst the Disney characters and kind of making friends with. This them. This sounds and, terrible. I don't want to play. That. Um, my kids liked it. Uh, so they, and you know what? They made a sequel. And and at this at this rate lately, with Disney closing down all the studios that are making any games. Thirty nine ninety nine. Yow. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like a real actual full game. I yeah. mean, it's not like I, a... I winced at paying thirty nine ninety nine in store credit <laughs> for Fire Emblem um, a couple of weeks ago. 
But yeah, the, you know, maybe we could we could just take a minute and, and think like this is probably the reason why people don't buy handhelds so much anymore. Um, you know, the fact that you can get cheap and free games on your cell yeah, phone. Yeah, that, that's true. If you need your Disney fix and you've got your choice between this for $40 and, you know, Frozen Freefall. Yeah. Um, or, like, have you seen those Frozen games where it's, like, you do surgery on Elsa's open wound? Yes. You know, you know like... what? I wanted to do this one weekend to talk about, like, the weird, like, gray internet, you know, flash game market that lures kids in to, like, spyware and malware websites with yeah, dentistry sims and stuff. I finally removed all of the YouTube apps from all of our various phones and tablets and things because I was tired of my daughter seeing just, like, weird stuff like that. Um, and you know, and then of course the videos where like you click on a cartoon character and it's like someone screaming curse words at someone else or something. So yes, not no good. It's no, no good. Those things. So no bueno. Um, Severed uh, is coming out to the 3ds eShop. That's coming out uh, for thirteen forty nine, and this is the game that Legrand played, and it's made by Drinkbox. Yeah, it was originally on the Vita, and I think there's also... I want to say there's an iOS version of this game I think that's well. right. I, I I think I may have seen that on the App Store. Um, yeah, pretty highly regarded, too. Yeah, yeah, and he, if I recall, he said it was like... It had some kind of like dark content as well. Yeah, yeah, like, like it's... Uh, cannibalism I think you or cut, something? No. Cut pieces off of people and use them for your own, your own nefarious... That's gross, Legrand. You should be ashamed. Um, disgusting dirty Shantae and the Pirate's Curse I added this to the list here just because that's it's why it's by way forward uh, they're you know reasonably well known for making um, pretty good 2D platform action games and um, Shantae is their original character she's she's like a little a genie like I yeah. dream of genie style yeah and, exactly like uh, this game is actually everything. also available on Steam and um it looks like a pretty fun time, you know. It's got the cool uh, platform, like sixteen bit ish graphics that you know mm-hmm. probably really just hit dudes like you and me in at our age at just about the right spot, right? It, it's very bouncy, also. It is very bouncy. Shantae is very bouncy. bouncy. Lots of fan service there. Yeah. Uh, on the PC this week. The sequel to Shadow Warrior, not the original, um, the sequel to the remake of Shadow Warrior that came out a couple of years ago, Shadow Warrior Which 2. I haven't played this one, but I really liked, I was really pleasantly surprised by the first Shadow Warrior remake. Um, yeah, I've heard like I actually laughed out loud things. at it. And, you know, when, when, when their big joke is the fact that the guy's name is Lo Wang, um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you don't go into it expecting very much, but it, it turned out actually really good. Yeah, I haven't heard anybody that's played that game say anything bad about it at all. And even in this game, too, um, I've seen a couple of, like, preview review sort of things, and people were saying that, yeah, you know, Shadow Warrior 2 is pretty awesome. So For sure. If you're into first-person shooters, you know, this might be your your bag, baby. Um, <laughs> also this week we have the Jackbox Party Pack 3. Yeah, which I'm a big fan of the the Jackbox series, um, and the Party Pack stuff actually works really well. I mean, you have things like Drawful or, uh, you know, just all kinds of games that you can play with groups of adults in your house, uh, or it's equally set up so that you can play it online with total strangers, and it's a blast, like, every time. 
Um, I don't know what the price is on this, and I think I've only... I, I've been playing these on console. I've got these on my PS4, and I know there's Party, Party Pack 1 and 2. Uh, this is on PC, and I cannot recall if this is available already on consoles. I don't think I've seen it, so... Uh, highly recommend if you're looking for party games, um, and especially if you know getting a bunch of adults in your house and making sure they've all got their smartphones, hook them into your Wi-Fi network, and then play like really lewd party games all night. Uh, way fun. Highly recommend. Awesome. Well, let's let's move swiftly along to our topic. Um, why don't you introduce it? All right. So uh, we've got our uh, you know history of, of doing some maybe serious items. Uh, you remember last week we talked about uh, you know boycotting people over your personal views or their personal views or somebody's views. Uh, we thought we'd go with something a little more fun this time. And uh, the idea came up of uh, in the movie The Matrix when Keanu Reeves whoa learns kung fu by by you know having somebody plug in a module into his brain and suddenly he just knew everything there was to know about kung fu. I know kung fu. I know Kung Fu. Um, what game or game series would you like to plug into, not, not just your brain, but into your history, into your personal past, so that you don't have to actually take the time to play the game, but have the full experience of having done it without having yeah. to put in so the that, time? So that, like Captain America, you could get that reference. Kind of. Or yes. that you just know, so that you you have the familiarity with a game or series as though that you had played it yourself. Oh, get that reference. Okay, I get that reference now about getting that reference. Exactly. There you I go. gotcha. Gotcha. Meta reference getting. Wow. I've got to take a moment. My mind is blown, <laughs> but why don't you tell me what game you would love to have matrixed into your history? I would do this for a ton of stuff if I could, but if you made me choose just one, oh man, that'd be pretty tough, but I think... And and let's let's do this. So so let's also add a, a quick little qualifier to this. So we're talking about you're not getting just like the lame like mainline playthrough. We're talking about like the full like oh, yeah. deep intimate like all completions, all good endings, mm-hmm. all bad, just like everything. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, you would totally. just have done it all. You'd know it inside out without wasting your life. It's like you went to a pocket dimension and played that game or, or game series front to back as many times as you want until you were like just completely satisfied with it and did not kill yourself. And in totally the spent. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think, uh, so this, this is my answer. Um, choosing from, you know, one of about probably, probably five to 10, like games that I would really like to be able to do this with. I would take all of the ogre, series so the the Mm -hmm. ogre battle tactics ogre every single one of those that's ever been made and there's quite a few actually um and just you know instantly plug those into my history because i've never actually played all the way through any of them um the ones that i've played the most probably have been probably actually just tactics ogre the um let us cling together version although i have played a little bit of the Knight of Lotus, which was a GBA game, and I've also played a little bit of Ogre Battle March of the Black Queen, the Super NES game. I have not played the N64 Ogre Battle game or the um, one that I just recently learned about the other day. Uh, there was like a Neo Geo Pocket Color game. Yeah. You know what? It's really weird that you would mention that because I was actually listening to a podcast and they were talking yeah. about yeah, it. Yeah, probably the same one. <laughs> um, yeah. That, and then what else is there? There's like, um, 
like weird little remake versions of, of, of stuff. It's yeah. and, and you know the the games aren't too different either. Like I get the feeling like there are really only two tactics ogre games or, or ogre battle games and they just kind of remake them on different platforms. Yeah, maybe. Um but you know that's it's the world. It's it's a type of world that I really get into just because yeah. it's it's yeah, I guess written by or, or imagined by uh, Matsuno. Matsuno, sure. um, it's it's that sort of you know medieval um adventure but also political plot intrigue on a like a sort of geopolitical level in a medieval world that's just really cool um and plus you you would also need to spend like some time in an alternate dimension like following yes. the plot well, like, yeah. can you imagine coming, stepping out of a wormhole and being like, I understand it all, let me explain to you. Well, plus, all of those <laughs> games are, like, super duper long and involved and also, you know, difficult. And then, like, as we know from, from T- Tactics Ogre Remake, you can actually go back and replay it different ways and get different decisions and different endings and all this other stuff. So, sure. I mean, it would be, like, a, just a massive project to try to play through and learn all those games. But, you know, that's that's my prime candidate for matrixing into my brain so i i have an answer and, and you know you're gonna want to go with the stuff of course that would take the longest i mean like you're not gonna i mean you could pick like flappy bird or something i guess but you, you yeah. might as well get the the best value out of this because if you can only pick one see I, I was thinking like just purely based on length i might then choose the the dragon quest series because i've only that it, you just took my answer dale jones <laughs> but I, I ended up choosing not choosing that one because i because I wanted to focus more on like the content, also. Right. Well, here's the, here's my other um, my other criterion for this, which is: Would I ever take hours out of my own life? Like, would I if if I didn't have a pocket dimension, if I couldn't plug this into my brain, would I conceivably do this? Mm-hmm. And with Dragon Quest, my answer is pretty much no. I mean, I I've in fact I still have that Dragon Quest Eight. Remember, I talked a few weeks ago about the mobile version of Dragon Quest Eight. And I keep thinking, like, I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to go back to it. And, I, and it's good. It's plenty good. It's fine. But, and I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if you're going to play anything, you're going to play it on a mobile thing that you carry around in your pocket all... I carry Dragon Quest Eight <laughs> on my person all day long, mm-hmm. and I still don't play it. Uh, so I feel like it would take something like this. I would need to plug this into my brain. I know Dragon Quest. Yeah. And, and play all of Dragon Quest. And part of it is I have kind of a little bit of guilt because I feel like... You know, I should. It's a hole in your your you know your your canon, your knowledge it, of the canon, right? It's a super hole. My fluency in video games is is you know called into question by this. You're not a real um, video gamer. Yeah, a fake gamer guy. That's me. Um, but I, I think I would go with Dragon Quest. But I also wanted to answer this a little bit differently and put kind of a different spin on this, which is, um, would you? maybe choose something that would give you some sort of physical... You know, because Keanu Reeves, Neo, learns Kung Fu, and then he can physically do the Kung Fu that he has in his brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he may not have the physical conditioning, but it's a digital world anyway, so who cares? Um, but what if you gave your answer as something like DDR or, like, Taiko Drum Master? Like, that That would be, you know, like, you could you could plug that in, and suddenly you'd be like... You'd be pretty good at some... Some specific, some cra- some crappy game. Like you could be really good at Duck Hunt. <laughs> yeah, you'd be a crack shot at Duck Hunt. You could do that, but that that would seem like a little bit of maybe a waste of 
(laughs) (laughs) But it didn't waste anything. Like, you could pick something that's totally lame, and it wouldn't cost you anything at all. Because you'd be like, well, I guess I know everything there is to know about Gyromite. Yeah. (laughs) But it didn't take any time at all. (laughs) So, I don't know. If you can think of anything physical... uh, You know, um... If you do the Final Fantasy series, you get all of 11 and 14, too. So Whoa. that would be a pretty good... As wow. as uh, Take it from me. As someone who has spent a whole heck of a lot of time in various Final Fantasy games, even just 11, right? 11 alone is a pretty amazing experience. Um, mm. And i got to think that 14 is pretty cool too so you, you got to be careful though plugging games into your brain because if you pick one that like has no ending uh you could end up in some sort of like positive feedback loop or something and basically mm-hmm. get trapped in the matrix forever so uh I, I would suggest that if you answer this question for yourself you have to be like this the cipher of the crew then you know you you know that you're in the matrix but you just don't care because that steak tastes so good that's right and you'd be there forever would that be so bad I don't know. I don't know. That steak sure is juicy. Mm-hmm. But uh, listeners, if uh, you know, if you have some thoughts about the game that you might matrix into your brain and into your history, uh, let us know about that. You can reach out to us on social media. Specifically, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, as a group, we are at Game Bites Show. You can also reach out to us individually. I am at Jeremy underscore Lamont. And I am at Count Elmdor. Absent from the show tonight, our two buddies, LeGrand Jolly at LeGrand, L-E-G-R-A-N-D-E, and Jared Redeye Dunn at R-E-D underscore I. Uh, you may know that we also have a video stream that we do over at twitch.tv slash Show, where you can find at least once a week that we are playing a video game over there that uh, you might be interested in. Uh, I think I mentioned this last week, but it was sort of forward-looking then. I'll just mention that this last stream that we did, I played Brutal Legend for Rocktober 13th, the anniversary of the game that uh, came out. Uh, back in 2009. Had a lot of fun with that. Uh, people told me that I looked a little bit tired, though. I try and keep it very high energy, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Go, go go, check it out for yourself. I mean, I was rocking pretty hard, uh, but uh, yeah, go, go take a look at that over at uh, twitch.tv slash show. Hit the subscribe button, or you can find the archives of all of our past streams over at youtube.com slash show. And uh, there's always lots of good things to be found over there. You can also check out our website on the internet, GameBiteShow.com, where you'll be able to find a feed of all of our podcasts as well. So we talked about uh, doing this show twice a week, which we have done consistently, pretty consistently, uh, since the show's inception. So take a look at our website. Uh, Subscribe if you're not already on RSS or on iTunes, your favorite podcast application of choice. We are there on all of them through FeedBurner. Uh, and then if you, uh, you know, uh, are, are interested in this, uh, coming up next month, uh, a couple weeks away now at this point, uh, Jared is going to be heading our, uh, Extra Life stream. That's, uh, you can find information about our team over at extra-life.org slash team slash show. Uh, feel free to donate some money, donate some time if you wish. Uh, you can actually join our team and stream on behalf of the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals for, uh, children who are sick and could definitely use your uh, attention, your care, and your donations. We'd certainly appreciate that. And uh, gosh, you know, beyond that, uh, this is the end of the show for the top of this week, but as I suggested, we will be back at the midweek to talk about some video games that we've been playing, and we've maybe even dropped some hints about the things we'll be talking about then. So if you think you know what they are, tune back in shortly because we'll tell you all about them. Until then, this has been your Game Byte Show. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next time. Thanks. Bye.